two, one. Backdoor GA podcast. Uh, it's allowed to be joined by Dublin senior ladies football goalkeeper Kira Trent. Um, All Ireland champions in 2020, Kira, four in a row. I suppose you've had a few weeks now to look back on it all. How do you reflect uh, on the year? Um, different, obviously. Um, I think emotionally it was very different for the team. Um, I think there was a lot more onus on the individual work this year um, during the summer than there was in previous years. But I think with the emotions and the, the background to the season, it kind of makes it that extra little bit more special um, in a way that, you know, you have all this bad stuff happening in the world and that as a group, whatever, 50-something of us can unite and and bring a bit of joy to each other's lives um, and then to our families and friends and and um, to Dublin as well. It's, yeah, different, kind of a more humbling experience than the, than the previous wins. And with COVID and being involved in that setup, um, and I suppose you're teaching as well, did you find it challenging, like, because I suppose different people were working different jobs and, like, to narrow down the bubble when you're involved in that kind of setup? Um, yes and no. I think everybody probably had to find their feet in their own way. And I think as a group, and driven from our management team, who are very caring and supportive. Um, like everyone had, were given all the sports we needed um, whether it was away from training um, during lockdowns or when we came together as a group like we've been around each other a long time and you know we've had very long seasons thank god over the last couple of years that you know the, our main goal for the year was just to make sure everybody was supported as a person that everybody was okay and, and feeling good mentally and you know that you know, looking after each other was was number one for us this year. And I think we did such a good job caring for each other that the football and, and coping with everybody's different struggles this year um, kind of fell into place, kind of a domino effect off the back of that. And this year, kind of change of system, no provincial championships. Did you prefer nearly in one sense with the groups and then you're leading in? Um, well, there wasn't going to be a Leinster this year in the first place because um, we were the only senior team. And in previous years, it was just a straight final between ourselves and Westmead. So we've never really had the, the Ulster, Munster kind of competitive provincial championships that the other teams kind of get. And it's, it's the same for Mayo and Galway and Connacht, just a straight final. So it didn't really impact our plans uh, as much as it would have kind of messed up things for uh, the counties from Ulster and Munster. Um, but I like the round robin system. I like that you get game time. I like that you get the chance to, you know, find your feet in championship. Your first day out is, is always very rusty. Um, I suppose through the whole group stages, it's always very rusty. Um, I really prefer the groups to be bigger, more teams in them. 
um, to give us more chance to play more games. But uh, no, I like I like the way the championship is structured at the moment. Yeah. Like there were some huge tests along the way, especially like the Donegal game and the Armagh game was an unbelievable game of football as well. Yeah, we I suppose we spent from January kind of building towards our first game of championship and for so long we knew it was gonna be Donegal. That's that's all we focused on was that Donegal game. Um it was as if there was no other game this season that it was a straight final for us. And that you know, yeah, we, we got through the game. It wasn't a polished performance by any means, but um, it, it completely zapped us of energy and we struggled against Waterford. Just we were so exhausted and drained from preparing for that Donegal game so much. Um, and then against Armagh, we tried to kind of find our form again and uh, freshen ourselves up. Um, but I think we were playing with a bit of fear as well and we were making a lot of silly mistakes and just simple errors that were given them energy um, in the game that we don't usually do. And I think that was a lot of that came down to nerves on our behalf. Um, you know, when Armagh put the pressure on, we kind of, we were startled a little bit um, and they got a good run on us. And I, I don't think we panicked, but we nearly panicked. Um, and halftime came at the right time for us then. Um, and we started to, to play with a bit more confidence in ourselves in the second half, thankfully. But I think a lack of game time um, and match practice um, caused us a few problems this year. And Cork came along in the final. Um, the first half of that game, and I suppose the chances you missed, and you were in goals, obviously, seeing it all um, up top. Was it very frustrating in that first half of the Cork game? Um, yeah, I don't think it was any more frustrating for me as it was for the girls, say, playing up in the forward line. I think just as a group, we were frustrated. Um, and I watched the match back once. I, I mean it to watch it back a couple of times, but I think we played better football in the first half than we actually did in the second half, even though we were converting our chances in the second half. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a lot of frustration because we were, we were doing all... Uh, you know, we were hitting our targets, but the target, you know, we were we were sticking to our game plan and things were going our way except for our finishing touch. And that is frustrating because it's all Ireland final and, you know, we've been in situations before where our shot to score ratio has been very poor and that's cost us the game. So we were a little bit anxious in that sense, but we such experience up in that forward line. It's not something that you, you panic about, but yeah, we were definitely frustrated coming in at, at halftime. And your fitness in ladies football just seems to be ahead of every team. Do you just place huge emphasis on your running game? Um, not really. Uh, not not this year anyway. Um, when we came, we had a club. We did very competitive club championship. We're very lucky in Dublin in that sense. Um, so that prepared us very well heading into the inter county campaign. But we didn't actually do much fitness work or running work at all um, this year. I think we might have had two or three fitness tests, like if you're 1K and your Broncos and stuff like that, but it was all it was all balls. There was no runs, a couple of runs at the start of training, but no, there was no emphasis on on conditioning or, or uh, fitness levels this year. But I think 
we work as individuals we work very hard away from football to keep our fitness levels up like there was definitely a hunger uh, and a drive there and there was stages in during the summer where management were like look if you want some guidance or if you want a program we'll give it to you if you don't off you go and we'll, we're here if you need you need you or if you need us so a lot of us kind of did our own thing during the summer um to keep ourselves busy and keep our fitness levels up so more than anything there was less emphasis on our fitness levels but on an individual level we worked very hard um when football wasn't allowed and with COVID, like one noticeable thing this year really seemed to be more so this year that like if everyone was kind of placing more emphasis on the skills and the enjoyment factor was really shown across Clough and County. Yeah, um, and like Mick Pahan was a, a huge driver of that within our camp. Um, you know, for the team this year, football was an outlet. It was, you know, aren't we lucky that we get to meet up with our best friends and play football together? And we get to see people four or five times a week. Um, and we knew how fortunate we were to be in that position. And, you know, we never talked about winning all Ireland's until we got as far as the final. It was, it was literally just, look, this is an escape. This is something that makes you happy. You play football because you love it. So, you know, let's have a fun training session today. Let's enjoy ourselves. You know, the fun was taken away from before training and after training, you know, not allowed to use dressing rooms and, you know, not allowed to sit down and eat together after training and stuff like that. So it was literally arrive, boots on, train, leave. Um, so the social side of football was really taken away from it. So management put massive emphasis on just enjoying actually playing the game, um, as they, they have done in previous years, but more so this year. And I know um, at club level as well, we probably, at the start of the season for us, put too much emphasis on winning and championship and, you know, hitting our targets, whereas we got knocked out of championship and we started to relax and play better football when there was nothing on the line and when we were just going out to enjoy it and possibly the approach we should have taken um, heading into championship because, you know, when you're relaxing and enjoying football, you, it brings out the best in you. Um, and, you know, that's definitely worked in our favour for Dublin this year. Um, with the hard days you went through with Dublin ladies football, we've all seen the documentary, how special now is it to be four all Ireland champions? It's it's weird, and yeah, I I do spend a lot of time kind of, you know, grounding myself and checking in. That in two thousand fourteen, I was unavailable for selection. I probably wouldn't have got picked anyway. To be fair, but I was water girl on the day, and I thought, you know. At the time, wasn't I so lucky to be Water Girl? I would have given anything just to do Water Girl in an All Ireland final. I do it for, you know, any other county just to to be a part of it. Um, so I kind of remind myself of you know feeling yeah we were devastated that day and you know seeing the girls I'd looked up to be heartbroken in the dressing room after losing that famous game and Cork's comeback would being like take all the negatives away. What a positive it is to be playing for Dublin and being an All-Ireland final and then you lose another one the following year and the following year and you're still kind of telling yourself, you know, there's, there's positives in this, aren't you lucky? There's 
you know, 30 other counties around the country that, that aren't here today. Um, and then to have four, and I think like, it, the years, the four years have flown by, like Lincoln, you miss it kind of thing. And it's it's very hard to remind yourself of, of how lucky you are and of what a massive achievement it is. Like, I do kind of compare ourselves to the lads when they won four in a row. I was like, oh my God, four in a row. And now we're in that position. Um, God only knows how the Cork girls that got the 10 in 11 years would feel like with that record. It's uh, phenomenal. But yeah, I don't think it's something that you can really absorb and get full satisfaction from until possibly you finish playing. Like at the moment, I'm just like waiting for the text to say training at this time. Here we go again. And that's my focus. And that's, that's healthy too, I suppose. Um, but yeah, it's hard to it's hard to really take it in as much as you try. It's not something I think it's it's such a a weird thing to happen. That I don't think I'll ever fully be able to appreciate the enormity of it. And I suppose with the men and the women being such dominant forces and being talked up about all the time, um, do you, do you ever feel that pressure playing? Um, I feel that perhaps, well, firstly, I think because the lads are doing so well, that's taking a bit of attention off us. So whatever pressure we might be under, you know, those lads were multiplied up by 10. Um, but I think the more we win and the longer this winning streak goes on, the more we have to lose. Um, and that was definitely in the backs of our minds this year, you know, nobody has anything to lose when they come up against us now um, but we kind of have everything to lose because we've this strong record over the past four years um, so feeling that little bit of pressure absolutely but as soon as as soon as the match starts kind of you know you, you kind of forget all that thing um, so it's it's about making sure your preparation is right and your head is right and controlling um, that pressure and turning it into a positive before the game is kind of what we focus our energy on um, so that it doesn't drain us of energy that we might need in the game. And you mentioned about the losing the fourth and then all Ireland finals and turning it into a positive. But would you find it hard, I suppose, during the winter when you're leading up to play and just of thinking of them all Ireland defeats? Um, not me personally. I know some of the girls. Um, take a lot of energy from it but I found the winning has spurred me on more than the losing uh, the winning has made me want to win more for some reason um, I think if we lost this year I don't think I'd be sitting waiting on a text to say training starting I'd probably be dreading it whereas the win has kind of made me look forward to 2021 and in whatever shape it might take um, but I think it's different from everyone. I I haven't actually had that conversation with girls on the team. I don't know if anybody's in the same position as me um, in their thinking, but I know there's definitely some girls that, that use the loss to drive them on. And what's the main difference for you between coming up short and winning four in a row on islands for this Dublin team? I don't know. I I think it is. I, I think 
it has kept us together. Um, there's a lot of girls that, and myself included, probably would have walked away um, a couple of years ago or more recently now uh, from the team if, if we weren't getting over the line. Would you take success and, and you regroup in January with the team again? You, you know everybody's potential. You know what the team are capable of again. And if you didn't believe that we were able to win in the upcoming season, it'd be easy to step away from the team. But, um, yeah, I think it has, it has glued us together. Um, and it has, you know, thankfully, there's been more success off the back of it. And we've created more memories together. But I think friendships has been the, the biggest reward of um, turning the coming up shorts into getting over the lines. In the depth of your panel, especially this year, is huge. Like Schneider Hearn, one of your main forwards, goes off injured in the All Ireland final. And it must be satisfying without her that you were still able to get the job done. Yeah, I, I had a good think about this um, just off the back of a conversation I had with someone and Shayna Hearn this year, I don't think she got, I think all the games, she didn't play league and she might have got a game and a half in total through the 2020 season. She did not play much um, and it was very hard to see her struggle through training and her rehab in order to just be able to get a half of football. But I, there was no stage in any of the games where I thought we don't have Sinead Hearn. Oh no. There's one game I didn't even know she got substituted in one of the games. Um, I think it might be really, oh yeah, I didn't, I didn't think she went, she went off in the Armagh game. I didn't know she went off. And I think that just shows the strength in our panel that, you know, we go down one of the best boards that has ever played ladies football and it's just next player up. Someone can slot in there and, and do it's just as good a job as her. Um, so that, that just shows the, the depth in our panel, absolutely. And, you know, losing Alwyn Carey in midfield this year was massive first, but then you have Jen Dunn, who, in my opinion, is, should be on for player of the year. She's fantastic season. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's looking good for Dublin. So hopefully we can sustain that and drag a few more through. People might be calling it splitty in two as well, but um, <laughs> Mick Bohan, um, he's been involved in the men's game and then took the option to go over to Dublin ladies. Um, what do you feel is really done for you as a team? Um, he's been massive. Uh, I think he's had a bigger influence on my life than anybody else outside of say family members. He's been huge. Um, for me on a personal level, whether that's football or just as a person, um, he's had an impact on all our lives. And it's just literally the level of care he has for everyone in the team is just phenomenal. And I, you know, I know he has three daughters and maybe that kind of helps him a little bit more. I, I don't know, but he's, his impact on the pitch has been huge, obviously. Um, but it's the stuff he does away from football um, and looking after you as an individual and making sure you're okay and making sure you're happy. Like he would do anything for anybody on that team, player or management. And knowing that you have that support and someone who's got you no matter what, 
Um, it's very, very comforting. And he has complete confidence in everybody in the team. And he knows he wouldn't have you in the team unless he felt you could add something to us uh, as a group. And he makes you very aware of that. And obviously he, you know, berates you when you do something poorly and he expects so much of us as well and knows what we're all capable of. But it's it's just his level of care and how humbling he is and, and the way he looks after us all is, has had a massive impact on all our lives. And it's made us enjoy playing football uh, much more. And um, it's made us all definitely better people and better dubs. Is that a hugely satisfying thing? Because in today's world, mental health is such an issue across the GA. And when his sole focus isn't just football, it's outside football as players, that must be very enjoyable. Yeah, like you'd get a call off Mick after training or the next day and he goes, hi, how are you? I'm Grant, thanks. Are you okay? Like, how are you? And I'm like, you know I'm fine yeah it's like oh you just seemed a bit off at training yesterday I was just checking in to make sure everything's okay you know if you're tired well don't come to training it's like no no I'm, I'm grand I'll come to training it's like no don't come you know you seem tired it's like stay at home do something else you know he you know football's the last thing on his, on his mind um and that's that's huge because you can get so caught up in such a competitive and successful environment um chasing that success and kind of living up to everybody's expectations outside of the bubble of the team um, that no one that make is there for you and, and management the rest of management as well it's not just him alone and indeed players too um, it's great because you know you have your your life stresses your social stresses work stresses and you're expected to come to training and put in two hours of the best football in the country um, it's, it's not easy and He's very aware of that. And some days he has his off days too as well, that he might be feeling low or stressed or down or tired. Um, and he's very open about them too. So it's, it's, he's kind of, mental health is something that he's very aware of and conscious of. And if there's anything that he can do, just to put a smile on your face, arrive with a smile, leave with a smile. Um, if, if he can ensure that the 38, 40 players do that and smile when they leave training when he feels that he's done he's done his job football aside and and that's it's it's great to know that somebody's there for you and somebody's always looking out for you possibly when you're not looking out for yourself and would that be one of the reasons we feel why you're reaping the rewards because within this Dublin panel everyone's open and if you're feeling down you can admit it and that you don't need to be scared, really. Yeah, but I, I think a lot of that comes from the friendships um, and how long we've all been together. Say that somebody walks into a panel after a year, they're not going to open up about, I've had a bad day or I'm feeling low. I think you have to build relationships with people um, before you can open up. Um, there's... You know, I'd, I'd open up to a few individuals in the team, you know, I'm having a crap day or, you know, I need to pick me up or depending on what I need, I might go to different people and um, get stuff from them or, you know, to feel better. Or sometimes I just want somebody to have a moan with me <laughs> and not make me feel better. Um, but that just comes off the back of spending so much time together um, and the relationships that, that we've built. 
Um, but yeah, definitely we, we do have an open environment within the team and we're all there to support each other. But I think feeling comfortable within that environment is, is a big one and that leads to the openness. And Neve McAvoy and Sinead Goldrick being involved in AFL and then coming back to Dublin. What's it like, I suppose, when two players aren't there for pre-season and then they come back halfway throughout the year? Macker and Goldie and what they've given to Dublin through the years has been phenomenal and they don't owe their county anything. Um, they don't owe any of us anything. But, you know, they're two of the most hard-working individuals on our panel away from the pitch and the hours they put in um, are phenomenal I, I think you know, people don't realise that there's definitely people within our group that don't fully realise that either but you know having them come back we know that they didn't expect to just walk back into a team swam back in and um, they were away playing in a professional environment as well and you know I was looking forward to you know them bringing back some knowledge and, and sharing it with the rest of us and getting some tips from what they picked up in the AFL um, and likewise it will be the same this year hopefully but you know the calibre of people they are and players they are it wasn't there was no you know bitterness towards their decision we were you know we all got up early in the morning to watch their matches and stuff like that we were so excited for them just knowing the people they are and the players they are that if there's no Selfishness involved in it, and um, they're they're huge team players. Does it annoy you as a ladies' player when people around the general public just assume that ladies' football isn't as good as men? Yes and no. Um, I don't think the standard is near what the men's is, and I think we have a long way to go before we get there. Um. I think the standard is increasing year on year, but you know, I don't think, I still think we have a long way to go in terms of skills, the quality of the game. Um, so I think that's justified, definitely. Um, but I think there still is a lot of tokenism surrounding ladies football, uh, ladies sports, women's sports in general. I think there's a lot of lip service done to it. Um, I was actually listening to a podcast there with Phil Neville, um, he's actually only stepped down from being the England manager, the women's team manager today. But he was saying that you know even having for him having a sister involved in in elite sports, he didn't really fully understand it until he got involved himself, and he never really realised the lack of respect, I suppose, or the lack of proper understanding that that women's sports or about women's sports and um, so I think there is a lot of tokenism and you know aren't you a great girl and aren't the girls terrific and they're fantastic and they train just as hard as the lads that's you know something I just cringe at and sick of hearing it's like let's talk about the football let's talk about the match let's criticize what needs to be criticized and let's praise what deserves to be praised rather than just throwing a lot of positives towards the game. Um, and I think if we change that mindset and kind of think more like that, when we talk about ladies football and women's sports, well then that will drive the game on and the standards of the game on to the point where they say, yeah, like ladies football, it's 
as good as the men's and let that be a fact, not just lip service. And do you feel to get that respect, it all has to go under the one umbrella as the GA? Um, no, I think there's a lot of responsibility on players to get better, standards to get better, um, tactics to get better. You know, just the overall game has to has to improve skill wise and has to be an entertaining game. Switch on ladies football and it's a boring match. You're going to turn it off, and if you've done that a number of times, well, you're going to just not tune into ladies football at all. Um, so when our matches are televised and when people do come to our games, we need to make sure that we put on a show that it is a high standard of football if we want our sport to grow. Um, and of course, you obviously want to go out and win as well. That would be your main objective, but it's to win in a game in a way that makes the game attractive is important. And I think that's what ladies football should be pushing for. Um, but I think coming under the umbrella with the GAA as being like this one whole organization, I think that could open more doors and opportunities to help facilitate the standard of ladies football improving. And we've seen in Kamori that physicality was allowed this year in the game. Do you think there has to be more physicality led in the ladies game because you're doing your strength and conditioning programs the exact same as the men? Yeah, I thought the Komogi was class this year. I thought it was a proper, you know, proper game of hurling. It was, you know, go out there and just express yourself and play. Um, yeah, I think, you see, it's the interpretation of the rules that's where the issue comes up. And I think if we change some of the rules around contact and the tackle and define the tackle properly and make sure everybody understands what the tackle is, well, then we lead to a better game. Like ladies football is, it's a non-intentional contact sport. Intentional being the word, They're the, the buzzword there. You only actually allow to tackle when somebody has the ball, they're playing the ball or has it held out away from their body. Otherwise you're technically not allowed to touch them. So referees that are blowing the whistle all the time and not allow, allowing the game flow, but that's because they're playing by the book. Whereas you have other referees that let us play because they know that this is a level we're at. This is, you know, contact and physicality is inevitable. Um, and that does lead to a higher standard and a, a more entertaining game. Um, and strength and conditioning, obviously, with the improvements made in that in the last three, four years, um, can allow that to, to happen and can facilitate more physicality in the game. But I think it's just the interpretation of the rules being and how they're enforced you know it depends on the referee what you're going to get and the rule book probably needs to change in that sense and county boards need to put forward those changes we can't just talk about it somebody actually needs to propose change absolutely um and as well like there's a lot of teenagers across labor sports quitting and You've probably seen it across numerous goals, but I suppose to keep them playing, what do you feel the LGFA need to do? Um, I don't think it's an LGFA thing. I think they are facilitating that and pushing that as best they can. Just 
people in the LGBTQ working very, very hard to ensure that girls aren't dropping out of sports in general, particularly ladies football, obviously. Um, but I think within club structures, that's where it needs to be driven. Um, and then there needs to be a, a, a culture shift or um, a social shift in the way we approach sports. Um, but I think it's little things like girls, teenage girls, they like to be valued and like to feel they're valued. They like to feel that they're, they're cared for. Whereas possibly, I'm probably stereotyping a bit here now, but boys kind of, they like the rough and tumble and they like the idea of this professionalism and this shouting at each other and, you know, being tough when they get to the teenage years, whereas girls nearly soften up a little bit and they get emotional. Um, so girls probably need more support and that needs to be um, catered for within clubs and within setups. Um, I know within my club setup in St. Bridget's, there's the ladies, the football section is 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 flourishing because of the care that the girls are given in even just tiny little things like changing the colour of our shorts from white to navy. So for you know personal reasons, um, you know, allowing the girls to express themselves and you know, getting them gloves, getting them matching gear, you know, just simple little things that 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 girls like and makes them feel valued. I think that's a huge one and that will keep girls in sports. Um if they, they feel like there's nothing in it for them. Um or it becomes a stressor in their life, well then it's it's easy for a girl to walk away and but for a guy kind of the the hardness and the toughness of playing sports is is an attractive image to have. And it's not so much an attractive image for teenage girls at the moment. And that is changing. It's definitely changing, but we still have a long way to go. You're probably getting some sort of a name tag compared to the men now where you're getting funding, you have the population. Um, does it really annoy you, I suppose, as a Dublin supporter and then as a player, that people are saying, using these sort of excuses when really it's not that simple? Certainly for us, it's not that simple. The amount of fundraising we have to do is it's really embarrassing in a sense. Like after we won our first All Ireland, 2017, we had to sell calendars, and we stood. We went around to pubs. We went around to our local clubs, into our workplaces. Will you buy a calendar? We're trying to fundraise. You know, we, you know, set up a desk outside the board's head, asking passerbys to buy calendars to fundraise for a team that just won the All Ireland. Um, golf classics raffle tickets you know all that stuff we do every single year just to afford you know maybe another way for a training camp and Mick and uh we have a separate like fundraising committee or team involved and um, with Dublin ladies that they drive the fundraising and they've brought on board lots of supporters private supporters um to help fund the team and that's been a huge development, but you know we still have to do the hard graft and the embarrassing stuff, and still have to ask our parents to buy fifty euros worth of raffle tickets to to fund the team. Um, we don't get handed money. Um, it's probably something that frustrates the lads as well. 
um, and it's easy to say that you know our money aren't they they're winning now and they've all this money great but money isn't the root of success you still have to work hard like you can have the fanciest gym you can have all the gear and equipment and uh, state of the art everything but unless you have a group of players that are going to work harder than every other group of players in the country then you're not going to have any success off the back of it and I think if you brought that Dublin senior men's team to a council pitch and had them train there for the year they'd still be winning all Ireland um, I don't think it comes down to money it comes down to the hard work and the development of that ethic of hard work um, through development squads from under 11s all the way up um, that has been the drive before or the driver behind the lad's success um, definitely and I think money is just an easy an easy out or an easy excuse to, to throw at the problem of Dublin winning seven in a row and the kickoffs within ladies football, do you feel in the last few years that it has evolved massively? Yeah, you, you come up with, against oppositions and after a few kickouts, you cop on that, okay, they've done their homework. Whereas three years ago, four years ago, that wasn't happening. And we do extensive homework on opposition kickouts as well because it's such an opportunity to cause damage. You can pin a team in where they can't even get a restart off you know it's 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 it drains your energy and it, it's such a boost like if you can turn over a kick out and get a score off the back of it you know it's so demoralizing for the opposition but it gives you such a lift it's it's like a defender getting a block that was a sure on score or a, a forward tracking the length of the field and getting a turnover you know it the boost that that gives the team is huge um so if you can punish on opposition kickouts, there's opportunity to do a lot of damage there. And that's been an area that teams have spent a lot of time working on. And it's just made the game more competitive. Like as much as I don't want teams analyzing our kickouts, it's, you know, it's made me better. It's made Dublin better and it's made the game better. So it's, um, it's a positive improvement. You mentioned there you will to win. How are you keeping this hunger going, coming back year after year after year? Um, I think we all have kind of like personal reasons why we play, but then there's just such a strong bond in the team, um, that just makes you you know, makes you kind of want to win for everyone else, like this year when the season restarted I was you know him and Ahan about should I play is it right to play you know is it safe like I had all these things going on in my head and what it came down to was number one I've you know I get to play for Dublin this is my dream since I was a kid like how can you step away from that you know um and secondly it was like look, these you know my heroes my teammates are are playing football I can't Shane Hearns playing, I can't not play. Goldie and Macker and Lindsay and Noel and Martha and Nicole and Eve, they're all playing. Like, you know, I have to play as well. I can't let them down. And even though I wouldn't let them down if I took a step away for the year, decided not to play, they, they definitely wouldn't feel that way. But I felt like, God, I can't, I can't do that. Like, if they're going to soldier for Dublin, well, I'm going to soldier alongside with them. Um, and I think that, that bond 
kind of you have your reasons to play and that will drive you on but I think that's that's the extra extra bit of kick within within the team that you know we we've such a tight relationship that we know we do it for one another we don't want to let down one another we want to see each other happy um, and see each other succeed and that's that's I think just something I've been reflecting on recently is is, is something that has driven our success and our repeated success and just a few quick fire questions. Um, what's been your favourite match to play in as a Dublin footballer? Uh, National Football League final against Mayo in 2018, the year we won the league. Just a lovely sunny day. I had a great game. It was class football and we won. And it was just, I just thought it was, it was the perfect day, the perfect match for me. Just really enjoyed it. And the best player you've played with? Um, probably I'm gonna it would be between Sinead Ahern and Siobhan McGrath but I'd probably go with McGrath because I have more dealings with her on the pitch than Nerdy up there in corner board um, yeah, she's just a wealth of intelligence on and off the field and she's a fantastic human being I just I love being around her and I just think she was my hero before I joined the senior panel and Someone I still look up to, and I'm in awe. Even when I put on my boots beside her in the dressing room every second night. And then finally, um, your toughest opponent. Individual or team? Uh, individual. Individual. Um, Lindsay Pete. She's just the power and the speed and the accuracy. I just when she was in on goal, I just wanted to curl up into a ball. I didn't want to get in the way for a shot. Um, she was just fantastic and so intelligent as one to go. Just always made the right decisions. Thanks a million for your time, um, Gary Trent.